thanks for joining us here at New Song Church, where we are helping people to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you ever have any questions or you want to learn more about us as a church, you can check us out online at newsongplymouth.church. It is the best way to stay connected with us throughout your week. And now, check out this week's sermon. All right, good morning, New Song Church. How's everybody doing this morning? All right, for the five people that are awake, I'm going to give you another chance. How's everybody doing this morning? Amen. That's awesome. It's so good to see you guys. It's always such an awesome privilege and an honor to have this platform to be able to share God's word with his people and with this church family. Because we really do. I don't know about you guys, but, but we consider many of you family here at New Song. And it really is such a privilege to be able to get up here and, and share the word with you. If this is your first time and you're wondering, who is this guy? I am Josh Johnson. I'm the youth pastor here at New Song, uh, and I have, that's a tremendous uh, honor for me. I, we have one of the greatest youth groups, I feel, that might be biased, but one of the greatest youth groups in the area. I am so blessed to be able to lead them and shepherd them, and uh, we're, we're probably about 40, 45 strong, and depends on if we offer free pizza. If we offer free pizza, it might get to 100, but... Uh, but we have a great group of kids. It's, it's very rare that if we have something that comes up, and, and maybe even on a short notice, if I ask them, hey, somebody needs some help, we need to step in there and help them. I don't know any of them that say no. Like, for the most part, if they're going to be in town, if they're going to physically be here, then they are here and willing to help, and we love them for it, and it really is such a privilege uh, to pastor them. And you know, as I was praying and preparing for this message today, one of the things that, that really got put on my heart was just to be so thankful and, and to never forget what a blessing it is to be a part of what God's doing here in Plymouth, Indiana, and Marshall County, and, and now in Wabash, and really around the world. It's just been amazing. And, and, and it's not, the way we do church right? The, the fact that we're able to get together and it's just so life-giving and vibrant, that's not normal normally, right? Across the nation, a lot of times it's completely different. There, there are just churches out there that's just, it's just not as life-giving and as vibrant. And I just think it's so cool to be a part of New Song Church and everything that's going on. And if you think about it, this August, it's going to be 15 years that New Song has been a church here in Plymouth, Indiana. And uh, it's just amazing. Who would have ever thought that there would be such a dynamic, Bible-believing, life-giving church in this small Indiana town of less than 12,000 people? But because of a young couple 15 years ago that was obedient to the call of God, look what the Lord has done, right? It makes me think of something, look what the Lord has done. Come on, look at that. I seen, I seen some of you, some of my old school Pentecostal people like, where's my tambourine at? I knew I brought my tambourine. Come on, where's it at? But it's been so amazing to be a part of this and, and to see exactly what God is doing. And, and I think it's important to honor our elders, honor our leaders. And really, it's one of the core values of this church. But probably even more importantly, it's a core value of the Bible. Amen. 
And so I think it's important. Why don't we, they're not here right now. Pastor Justin and Jennifer and their family, they're on their way back from North Dakota where Pastor Justin had a friend that they adopted a child and he asked Pastor to come there and dedicate the child for him. And so of course, Pastor said, absolutely. So I'm sure some of you seen on Facebook, they swung by Mount Rushmore and were taking selfies and it uh, looks like they're having a great time, but they're on their way back, but there's even a chance that they might listen to the podcast. So I think it'd be important for us just to take about 10 seconds and just give Jesus some glory for sending Pastor Justin and Jennifer to Plymouth, Indiana. Can we do that real quick? Come on, let's show them how much we care. What a blessing. What a blessing they are. I wanna ask you guys a question. Because I'm finishing up this series that we call uh, Supporting Roles. And it's been an awesome series. Pastor Justin kicked it off. And, and then Pastor Pat just last week brought the word in and, and part two of this. And can we give some honor to Pastor Pat real quick for the job he does here? Come on. Yes. He did a fantastic job last week. And, and now I've been tapped to come in and close this thing out. And I think it's so important to think about the just the importance that is placed on those supporting roles. And I want to ask you, have you ever been doing something and reached a point where you just physically could not do it anymore? Like you just started to shut down. I, I know that's happened to me several times, and that may come as a shock to some of you because I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, but Pastor Josh, you're in such amazing physical shape, and, and it looks as though you have been just grafted out of uh, a marble. You didn't have to laugh that hard. But you're just going to have to trust me on this, that it's happened to me several times in my life where I just wasn't able to go on any farther and I needed some support. And the one time that really comes to mind that I remember uh, so vividly in my head was actually in uh, a very hot October afternoon in 1998 at the Riverdale High School varsity baseball field. We were there and we were doing preseason conditionings. And one of the things that we would do, of course, it's 90 degrees and 100% humidity. I mean, even the mosquitoes had checked out and said, y'all are nuts, I'm staying in. But we're out there and, and we're in hour three of a three-hour conditioning in this weather. And the first two hours was spent simply sprinting from foul pole to foul pole. Some of you maybe that played baseball are familiar with running poles. So we were foul pole to foul pole, straight sprints for two hours. As a matter of fact, a little bit over two hours because Coach Pringle, I'll never forget Coach Pringle, and it's not just because I love Pringle's chips. But Coach Pringle, he had this thing where he said, we're going to keep running until one of three things happens. Either one, somebody cries, two, they throw up, or three, they quit. I'm telling you, he was hardcore, Coach Pringle. I, I can guarantee you, now I have never been to SEAL team training, but it could only be the thing that trumps Coach Pringle's baseball conditioning. It was brutal. So we were in hour three, and, and we had sprinted until our lungs were on fire, our legs felt like jello. Have you ever been there, somebody? Come on. It's brutal. And then on top of it, coach wanted to end the session 
with some relay-style lunges. Anybody ever done lunges in the building here? They are of Satan, and you don't want to ever have to do them if you don't have to. I mean, you literally, so we're out there, and we're lunging, boom, all the way down from foul pole to foul pole, we're doing this. And we have a team now that's depending on us because coach ain't too happy if you go and you do this relay and your team doesn't finish in the top three. It's not good for you that week. So we're going pretty good. I'm, I'm next to last in line, and the only person behind me was our six-foot-five first baseman who was the, the co-captain of the team. His name was Jesse Grinstead. I'll never forget Jesse. We're going, going along pretty well. Our team's right up there in the thick of things. And then it's my turn. And so I start out, and I'm going, and I get to the foul pole. Things are going good, getting a little bit overconfident. And then all of a sudden, I turn around. I'm lunging back. I probably get to about center field. My, my legs are toast. Forget about it. I can't hardly move at all, and I'm just laying there. And I'll never forget, all of a sudden, I hear this voice, and he comes up, and it's Jesse. And in a stern but concerned voice, he says, come on, Johnson, you got this. I know you can get through this. Let's go. I'll do it with you. So I'll never forget, Jesse drapes my arm across his back, and we start doing lunges together. All right, I'd be lying. He did the lunges. He practically carried me. <laughs> so we get through, and he actually finishes alongside of me, and, and, and I'd love to say we finished in the top three. We didn't. It was like one of those moments in the Olympics where people are just pity clapping. This is so precious. This is so nice. But I'll never forget Jesse and how he came alongside me when I couldn't finish on my own strength. I needed someone to come alongside to encourage me and to hold me up because I had grew tired and weary. And I really believe there's a lot of you in this room right now that, that you've gotten to a point that you've become tired and you've become weary and you desperately need somebody to come alongside of you and hold your hands up and to walk alongside of you and encourage you. And Moses experienced a time when he needed support like this, and he got it from his brother Aaron, who was the high priest at the time, and a little-known member of the tribe of Judah named Hur. Now, Hur wasn't quite a one-and-done. He was a one-and-a-quick-mention, but he's not a main character in the Bible. But yet he had a very important role to play at a very pivotal moment. And that's where I'm going to be speaking to you this morning from is Exodus chapter 17, verses 8 through 15. But first, let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just pray right now that through the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord, that you would speak through me. Lord, that this would be your words and not mine. And Lord, as they look up here to this platform, Lord, that they don't see or hear Pastor Josh, that they see and they hear you and your encouraging word for them. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So now before we dive directly into scripture, I think it's important for me to kind of set it up for you and kind of let you know how we got to the point that we're at in the Bible right now that we're going to study. I'm gonna catch you up a little bit on what brought Moses and his people to this very moment. 
So Moses and the Israelites are in the wilderness just outside the city of Rephidim. And at this time, the Israelites are not far removed from the 430 years of captivity in Egypt. I thought about that for a second, and I thought they would probably, many of the men would be able to look down at their hands and still see the calluses from making the bricks with little to no straw under Egyptian rule and under Egyptian slavery. It was still fresh. And they had been witness to God delivering them from that oppression and God delivering them from the hands of the Egyptian army by parting the Red Sea and allowing them to cross on dry land and then drowning the entire Egyptian army, horses and all. They had got through that. They had worshiped God. They praised him and then proceeded. And as they proceeded, there were times when all of a sudden they became hungry. And what happened? God fed them with bread and meat that would fall from the heavens. And then as they were thirsty, God ordered Moses to take his staff and strike a rock, which then produced enough fresh water for all of the Israelites and their livestock to drink. You could say God had been looking out for them. God had their back from the moment they were in Egypt to getting out of Egypt and now making their trek through to the promised land. God had been looking out for them. But now they find themselves in a completely different position. Now all of a sudden, they're camping on the outskirts of Rephidim when Moses receives word that the Amalekites were about to attack them. And this is where we're gonna pick up in verse eight through 15. And it says, the Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses' hands were held up, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. And when Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady until sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. And then the Lord said to Moses, write this on a scroll as something to be remembered. Make sure Joshua hears it, because I will completely blot out the name of Amalek from under heaven. So Moses built an altar and called it, the Lord is my banner. Amen. That passage of scripture, if you notice, begins with the Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. And when you think about it, this is the real first physical battle with an enemy that they've encountered. The Israelites had never had to face an enemy before and actually lift their own finger because if you remember, as the Egyptian army was approaching them, Moses actually gave the instruction, and now this is Pastor Josh's paraphrase, hey, just chill out and watch what God's about to do. He's gonna deliver you from this enemy. They didn't have to lift a finger, but now all of a sudden that's not the case. They were staring right into the face of a real physical battle against a very real physical enemy. And isn't that just like the enemy? To attack the Israelites 
as they were coming out of a miraculous blessing. They had to have been thinking, man, it was manna from the sky and then water from a rock, and now we're under attack. What's going on? How many of you have ever felt that way? That, man, you were on a spiritual high. Everything was going great. You felt like, man, my relationship with the Lord has never been any better, and then came an attack. Maybe it was all of a sudden now you, you felt led to take that step of faith you knew you needed to take a while ago to get more involved in your church. That all of a sudden you said, all right, now's the time. I'm gonna go through next steps and I'm gonna lead a group and I'm gonna join a dream team. It's finally gonna happen. And then you get the bad diagnosis from the doctor. Things are great. You're blessed with a new house. And I mean, we're talking things lined up supernaturally. No way to describe it. You didn't hardly have the financing and there wasn't anything worth looking at that was out there on the market. But all of a sudden, God made a way and you found yourself in a brand new house. Then, then all of a sudden came the layoff. Then you see the pink slip in your locker. You're planning a 20th anniversary cruise Everything's going good. Thank you, Jesus, for my spouse. Everything is good. Thank you for the provision to be able to afford to go on a 20th anniversary cruise. And then all of a sudden, you come home and you read a note left behind by that spouse that says, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. I'm out of here. I just don't love you anymore. You go from this spiritual high, from this blessing, down to this attack where you feel as low as you've ever felt. And that's where I want you to go ahead and write this first point down, and that is, we are often attacked directly after a blessing. Because you have to understand something, that the enemy has been doing what he does for a very long time. He's been stealing, killing, and destroying since the beginning, and he's become really good at it. And the devil isn't stupid. It'd be nice if he was. But he's not stupid. He knows that it's kind of a secondary human nature, that when things are going good, you're not hardly thinking about the things of God. And I can come at you boldly with that because I've been guilty of it. I remember before I had answered the the call to full-time ministry, I was in the insurance business. And I remember that, man, when things were going good, I'm driving into the office just to sing in. I'm not even thinking about praising the Lord or, or, or opening my day in prayer. But you better believe if I had a big case and it looked like they might be backpedaling out of it, I'm claiming every promise in the Bible on the way into the office. Dear Lord, give me favor. Dear Lord, let no weapon against me prosper, right? Because when things are good, it's easy to kind of put God on the back burner But all of a sudden, when things start to cave in around you, then you give it some thought. Well, the devil knows that. So the devil's going to use those up times when you're not on defense to try to attack and take that away. And if you don't believe me, if you're thinking, all right, pastor, that, that sounds nice, but give me some examples in Scripture where somebody has been coming out of a blessing and went under attack. And I will do that. I will match that and raise it. I'm going to give you three or four of them. Think about this. 
It was directly after his victory over the four kings that Abraham was tempted to take the spoils in Genesis 14. It was directly after the victory in Jericho that Joshua got a little overconfident and was defeated at Ai. It was directly after Elijah defeated the priests of Baal in dramatic fashion, might I add, that he became discouraged and so deeply depressed that he wanted to quit. How many of you have ever been there? I know I have. Where you become so beat up, so down and so depressed with what's going on in life that you just want to quit. You just say, you know what? I don't even know if this is all worth it. I don't know. Man, this whole going to church thing, it ain't working. I'm out. You start to question your faith. I want you to think about Jesus. Jesus himself. He was led into the wilderness to be tempted. When? Directly after his baptism. John the Baptist baptizes Jesus and of course, then the Holy Spirit descends in the form of a dove. This awesome moment. Then God's bragging on his son in front of everybody, saying, this is my son whom I am well pleased. All this is happening. And then what? Then he gets led out into the wilderness to be tempted. Goes from a tremendous blessing to being under attack. Attacks will come when you least expect them. And that was definitely the case for Moses in the scripture that we're reading today and studying out of. Him and the Israelites, when they discovered that the Amalekites were planning a sneak attack, Moses tells Joshua in verse nine, choose some of our men and go out and fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow, I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. And I love that Joshua does exactly what Moses asks of him. And and that's a message for a whole nother time, but that's obedience and humility, and that's amazing. But I want you to notice something about that scripture. Notice that Moses does not say, Joshua, go get our army to battle these Amalekites. You know why? Because they don't have an army. They just got a lot of people. So he's basically telling Joshua, hey, I want you to go out among the people And I want you to find some guys that you think can scrap. I want you to find some guys that aren't afraid to pick up a sword and get messy in fighting the enemy. I want you to go find some men. And I really believe that God is trying to communicate that to New Song this morning. Because I hear so many people so often say, I would join a small group, but I just don't think I'm ready. I would join a dream team, but I just don't think I'm really very polished just yet. And here's what I would say to you that I really believe that God is saying. You think about the Israelites, they didn't have a trained or polished army. They just had some people willing to scrap. So I think God's telling you today, I know you aren't trained, and I know you're not yet polished. That's... (laughs) That's beside the point. I don't need polished, I just need you. I'll take care of that. That's part of the sanctification process, the polish that God puts on us. 
He doesn't look for polished. You've heard it said before. He doesn't call the anointed. Wait, hang on here. Let me make sure I'm getting this right. Yes, he doesn't call the anointed. He anoints the called. It's so true. He's not looking for you to be perfect and polished. He's just looking for you to be willing and able, and that's what they were looking for here in this moment. Every one of us is called to a purpose. But in order to discover that purpose, guess what? We have to take a step towards it. Our purpose will not just slap us in the face on a Sunday morning in the seats. There's, I, I hate to tell you, there's not going to be a moment when Raul is up here leading a phenomenal worship set and you're raising your hands all of a sudden, it's just like, boom, it just hits you. Oh, oh, that's my purpose and I need to step into it. Where is Pastor Pat? I've got to get a hold of him. I'm going to lead a group. I'm going to join a dream team. No, it doesn't happen like that. You're going to actually have to take a step towards it. You're going to have to do it. So the Bible says in Exodus 17, verses 11 through 12, as long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. And when Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and they put it under him and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side and one on the other, so that his hands remained steady until sunset. You have to understand something about that. A lot of times people are like, what's going on there exactly? It was customary for the Jews of that time to raise their hands in prayer. So with Moses having the staff of God in his hands, he is literally up there interceding in prayer for those that are battling. And his arms are growing weary and tired. And that's where we enter Aaron and her. And I want you to write this down. No matter how gifted you are, you need support. Don't go it alone, new song. Don't go at it alone. This mission that God has given you from the time you were still being formed in your mother's womb, it is too critical for you to try to fly solo, get burnt out, and quit. Did you know that God actually had your purpose before he had you. There was a problem in the world. There is a purpose, and then he created you to be able to go in there and solve that problem. So there are literally people in Plymouth and in the surrounding areas that are depending on you to get this right, for you to have full dependence on God, for you to be able to take a step of faith to move towards your purpose and not just sit in the seats. He's called us to do. You think about Moses was one of the most amazing men in history. and He couldn't do it alone. So why would we think that all of a sudden we could? I want you to write this down. I need people in my life to hold up and steady my hands. Have you ever wondered why here at New Song we have such a high importance and a focus on our small groups? It's because we know something. We know that you cannot fight the enemy alone. We know that praying for that wayward child or that distant lost relative, praying for that stubborn spouse to come around, 
praying for that cancer diagnosis that hits you upside the head out of nowhere. They're praying for that addiction that seems to grip your entire family. If you take that on yourself, you will wear out, guaranteed. But you see, there's something special when you fight together as a group. You might not be polished, you might not look perfect, but you're a group and you're fighting together. Because I got something to tell you, New Song. When you are there and you got somebody on one side of you and one on another, and they're holding up your hands, they're encouraging you, telling you, you can do this. Come on, don't give up. You know God's got a purpose for your life, and it isn't to quit right now. You know there's people that are depending on you. Let's go. And they're interceding in prayer for you. And you know what's awesome? is when people are doing even more than praying for you, that they're praying with you and they're actually doing something to help you. When you can get that, when you got that, when you have those people on each side of you holding up your hands, there is no power of hell that can come against you. The enemy has no power when you come together like that but you need people holding up your hands in the battle. And that brings us to our last point. I'm gonna have Raul come on out here and help me kind of bring this thing to a close this morning. But you can go ahead and write this down. I need to be seeking opportunities where I can hold someone else's hands up. It's not just about us. It's about others. As important as it is for us to find some people in our life to stand with us and come alongside of us, it's even more important to be standing beside someone else and holding up their hands in the battle. You never know what burden somebody is carrying on any given day. We don't know what everybody's going through, what they've gone through. And one of the prayers that I always love to pray with Mallory and the kids almost every morning is a very simple prayer where I say, Lord, help us to be a blessing to others. Give us the opportunity to show others your love in the flesh. And can I tell you something? If you're frustrated in your faith, if you feel like, man, God just never answers my prayers, pray that prayer. And you will see there is not a single time that when we've prayed that prayer, there has not been at least one opportunity opened up that day. Now, I wish that I could stand before you right now and say that I have perfectly walked through that and that I have been an impact and made a difference in every single person's life that I was given an opportunity, but I would be lying. Because I've botched some opportunities. I've screwed them up. But you know what's so cool, New Song? Is that we serve a God that if you just keep asking for that opportunity, he's gonna keep giving them to you. I remember a time that we were out and about and it was during a winter storm. I think it was somewhere in December. To be honest with you, we probably shouldn't have been out, especially with two kids. But somebody had given us a gift card to Bob Evans. Thank you, Jesus, for gift cards. You guys are released to bless us with gift cards anytime you would like. But we had this gift card to Bob Evans, and 
So we decided to go there. Mallory didn't feel like cooking. And we walk in and we get sat down and there's not many people there. And you can tell that this waitress, she was really frazzled and she comes over to us. Oh, hey, thank you. Can I take your drink order? Are you ready to order yet? Oh, hang on. I haven't even pulled out the menu. One sec. Then she comes back and yeah, we give her our order and everything and she disappears. We're just talking. And then she comes back and I've never had this happen at a restaurant before. She comes back and she goes, um, excuse me, are you going to be tipping with cash or on a card? Oh my goodness. And my first, your gut instinct reaction is to get upset, to say, oh man, that was the rudest thing. And trust me, that's what we thought. That was so rude. What was she thinking? But then all of a sudden, there was this moment when she had went away Mallory's upset. I'm a little bit upset as well. But then something, that still small voice inside said, oh, no, 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 don't get upset. This is what you prayed for. This is your opportunity. So I said, you know what, Mallory, this is what we need to do. She comes back. Because we were ready to get the manager. We're like, this is terrible. I said, no, let's flip the script. When she comes back, let's ask her if we can pray for her. So when she comes back, still frazzled, we said, are you, are you okay? And I mean, like, are you really okay? Would it be okay if we pray with you? Instantly, she's in tears. Said, this is the worst week, worst couple weeks of my life. I have no money. We got Christmas right around the corner. I have no money to give any gifts to my grandkids. I don't even know if I'm going to have the gas to get to their house to celebrate with. This is, this is why. This is the opportunity. So we did. We prayed with her in that moment. We encouraged her. And guess what? That's coming up alongside of her. But we didn't want to just be like, all right, we're going to pray with you. And we're just going to trust in God that provision comes for you today. So often we do that. But no, I figured, I remembered back to Jesse Grinstead that draped my arm across his and started doing lunges right with me. I said, no, this is a lady that needs us to do some lunges beside her. We need to lift her hands up, just like Aaron and her lifted up the hands of Moses. She is weary. She is tired. She has been beat up, and we need to help. So not only did we pray with her, but we were able to be generous with a tip when I would imagine we would be well within our right to throw a quarter on there and say, don't be rude. But it was the opportunity to step in, to be able to lift her hands up, show her that she serves a God that loves her and that she still has a very important purpose in this life. And there's a neat opportunity that we offer you here at New Song to be able to be a blessing like this. And maybe some of you, maybe you didn't know about them or you would just walk right past them on your way out of the sanctuary, but there's some cards in a sign in a card holder right in between the doors out there that are called something extra cards. And it simply says on there, something extra to let you know God loves you. On the backside it says, and so do we. It shows new song. It could be as simple 
as going from here, grabbing a cart or two, swinging through Wendy's on your way home and paying for the person behind you. It could be seeing a single mom struggling to get change together to be able to pay for her groceries at Kroger and you say, you know what, I got this. I'll take care of this. God has blessed me over and abundantly. I'm gonna take care of this. I'm gonna hold your hands up because I know that you have obviously grown, grown weary, tired, but you're loved. Every one of us is called to that kind of purpose. I was so proud of our teenagers. We had a widow in this church family. Husband died five, six or so years ago and she was moving in, downsizing from a home into an apartment. And she called up and said, I need help. I, I don't really have anybody that can help us move. And, and I've got to get out of here. Is there any way that you could help? I said, we got you. So I called up some of my boys, some of my strapping young men. Go ahead and put that picture up. And on short notice, they decided to show up at the U-Haul place and help us be able to go and load up this widow woman's house and get her moved into her new apartment. And she was tickled. And I'm telling you, that is lifting up someone's hands during battle. Because we're up against it, New Song. We need support, it doesn't matter how gifted you are. You need a support system and to be a support. Would you stand with me? I think we've learned some things from this series, supporting roles, and I really believe that God has brought something to you today from the story of Aaron and her coming alongside Moses. But I hope it sparks a couple of these questions throughout the entire couple weeks. I want you to be thinking about these two things. Number one, who do I have in my life that will hold up and steady my hands through the battle? Who have you surrounded yourself with? Who's your support system? Because you need one. Can't take on the enemy all by yourself. You will burn out. And you'll quit. But this mission's too important for you to do that. The second thing, whose hands can I lift up and steady through the battle? I'm sure God's already been putting people on your heart, into your head that you know need that helping hand. They need you to come alongside of them and say, hey, you can do this. You can make it through. You've got a plan. You've got a purpose. Let's do this thing. You need that. Let's pray. And I want to ask, because I really feel a prompting from the Holy Spirit, that there's some people in this room that are saying, man, Pastor Josh, I, man, I haven't even made that first choice. I haven't even made Christ number one in my life. I haven't accepted him as Savior and made him Lord of my life. But I really feel that this morning is that time. I'm going to put that stake in the ground to say from this day forward, if that's you, would you be bold enough with everybody's eyes closed and heads down? Would you shoot your hand up for me? I see that hand. 
that's going up. You can go ahead and put your hands down. So the first part of this prayer, you're more than welcome to, to make it your own. You can say it word for word. And then the second half of this prayer, I'm just gonna pray over each and every one of you that God would just empower you to be able to find those people that need to lift your hands up in the battle and that you would be able to find some people that you can lift their hands up in the battle. Let's pray. Lord, forgive me for trying to live this life without you. Today, I'm making the decision to follow you. Lord, change me from the inside out. And Lord, I give myself to you, every bit of me. I'm going all in with you, God. And Lord, for everyone else, Lord, I just pray that you would give them such a boldness and a wisdom to be able to find those people that can lift their hands up in this battle that we're up against, this battle of life. And Lord, I pray that you would reveal to them over the coming hours and days of some people in their circle that need their hands lifted up high. I pray that several would just grab some something extra cards on their way out of the building today and just sprinkle blessings all around Plymouth this afternoon. And Lord, I pray that not a single person in this room is gonna walk out those doors the same way they walked in. Lord, I pray that you would change them. Lord, we just thank you, praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As a church, it is our honor to play a small part in what God is doing through your life. And we would love to continue on that journey. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, all you have to do is go to newsongplymouth.church to connect. Thank you for all of you who consistently give, serve, and pray. You are the ones that God is using to truly make a difference in our community as we live out our mission of leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. We hope you tune in next week.